0: is risen, three small words that brought the collective pace of humanity to an absolute standstill. He is risen, three words that shattered prisons, words that shook the earth's foundations, words that transformed a sense of utter despair into cries of pure joy and ecstasy, echoes of history's greatest triumph that still shape our reality. Even today, we're assaulted by constant distraction, countless sources waging war for our attention, yet three words pierce the noise. In our hunger for validation, our desperate pleas for love and attention, three words calm our anxieties. In a universe spinning at breakneck speed, its inhabitants locked in an existential crisis, three words proclaim the purpose of our existence. He is risen. Lay hold of this truth and embrace the peace within. Yesterday, fear reigned in our hearts. Yesterday, we sat in crippling darkness. Yesterday we suffered abuse and all the accusations of a broken world, but today, our king, our healer, our defender is risen, and this reality doesn't merely accompany us on a meaningless journey. This changes everything. For you see, if he is risen, then all other pursuits become secondary. All of our failures become insignificant. All criticisms and condemnations become irrelevant. There is only his word, his mission, and his infinite, unconditional love for you. Because he is risen, we look to tomorrow. Tomorrow, we will stop defining our worth through status and social media. Tomorrow we will together build an everlasting kingdom. Tomorrow and every day after, we will dance in the radiance of a redeeming Savior who crushed death and set us free. There is nothing that Jesus cannot overcome. We know this because he lives. We know this because He is Risen.
1: He is
2: Risen! Ah! Hallelujah! He is Risen! Well, good afternoon and welcome to Harvest at the Silos Easter Edition on Saturday. Um, So this week we're looking at the weather. And we've been really blessed the last two Sundays to have perfect weather, but this Sunday just looked terrible. So we started looking at some ideas of possibilities to get around the weather, but still be able to fit in the governor's orders. And one of the first things I did is I went to the worship team, I was like, what are you guys thinking about a sunrise service? And I, and I got some funny looks, and, and one of our band members, I won't mention his name, <laughs> he looks like Cheech Marin and he's sitting at the little drum. He said, why don't we do a sunset service and have everybody do a handstand and try to convince them it's sunrise. So, John, you got your wish, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, though, I want to thank you guys for being super flexible with us on like a day's notice to come out today. Um, Tomorrow's weather is going to be really bad. And it was questionable about whether we could have our service in the back or not, because it's outdoors, but it's covered, it's indoors, and there were some questions there, so we just decided, you know, it was going to be cold this morning, it was going to be beautiful this afternoon, so let's just do it on Saturday. Here's the interesting thing. Some of you know this, some of you may not, today is actually the Sabbath. So in our Western culture, we don't worship God typically on the Sabbath, we do it on the first day of the week. If you dig into when Jesus probably actually died and was raised, it's most likely he actually died on Wednesday. Three days, three nights in the grave would bring him out on what day? Saturday. The Sabbath. So I know we're celebrating Easter on, quote, the wrong day, but we might accidentally be celebrating on Easter on the right day. So God, we praise you for the opportunity to be here and worship the risen King Jesus today. So if you go to a Jewish fellowship on a Saturday, you get greeted by the term Shabbat Shalom. So Shalom is a word most of us have heard. We identify with the word peace, but it means a lot more than that. It's a word that Jewish people would use to say hello, goodbye, It means wholeness, completeness. So that's shalom. Shabbat is what they consider a holiday, which is the Sabbath. Starts sundown on Friday evening and goes through nightfall on Saturday. So therefore, when they greet each other on a Saturday at their service, they say, Shabbat shalom. So I want you to turn to your neighbor 20 feet away from you or however far and tell them, Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom
3: your Jewish history for today.
2: So if you guys didn't get communion when you came in during worship, you'll have time to go up to the table and get communion. Uh, Wendy will bring you communion. Um, we'll be doing communion right after worship. We'll be doing it right after worship also for those who haven't been here thank you for helping us admi- uh i guess adhere to the guidelines of our governor we have an incredible governor that deems this essential yes. so i thank god that we have a governor that that deems this essential but he he does ask us to adhere to a few rules like staying apart obviously if you're a family and you're together that's fine you've been together uh but he asked us to stay a distance apart so we're going to honor that if you do need to use the restroom please feel free to come into the restroom here where this door is open. We're just asking you not to make a big line in and out. Uh, Maybe just one or two people at a time. Other than that, we don't have a whole lot of rules. So I'm gonna start today with a few questions. I read an article this week that really challenged me, and I think we need to think about it. So for the past 2,000 years, Christians have had to handle controversy. It's funny, what we're going through right now originated in China. You may or may not know, but up until just a few years ago it was it, it was illegal to be a Christian in China. And often people would hide in their homes to have services at the risk of being persecuted. If you were a missionary and you went to China and you took Bibles and you got caught with those they would be confiscated. But while those people in China who were Christians while they were hiding out being persecuted by their government, do you know what they did? They preached the gospel. In spite of the controversy, in spite of what the government was going to do, they preached the gospel. When Rome was persecuting Christ's followers, do you know what Paul did? He preached the gospel. When the apostles... I'm sorry. When Jesus had an illegal trial, and he was murdered. Do you know what the apostles did? They preached the gospel. What about Peter and John in Acts 3 and 4? They got arrested for what? Preaching the gospel. And you know what they did when they went before the Pharisees? They preached the gospel to the very people that arrested them. And you know what happened? The Pharisees let him go. Because they were preaching the gospel and it was so powerful. And they knew they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What about Paul when he was arrested many, many times? What did he do? He preached the gospel, often in pen that we still read today. What were the last, some of the last words of Jesus? Go and make disciples. Preach the gospel. So why are we here today? Because we're in a dark time in our society and our world. We're in a controversial time where churches are shut down, where we're having to call the governor to find out how we can meet. People are having to rearrange their schedules to do this on Saturday. But what are we going to do today? We're going to preach the gospel for the risen king that died for each of us. Before we get started today with worship, Parker is going to come up and read. A quick scripture for us and pray for us.
4: Sorry, we're having a couple of difficulties. So you, all right, so I'm going to read Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down, how the mountains would quake in your presence. As the fire would cause wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn at the reason for your fame. When you came long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And, oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ears heard. And, and no oh, I has seen a God like you who, who works for those who wait for him. Now I'm going to pray us in. So, Father, Lord, I just thank you for letting us be able to come here and gather today. And I just thank you for um, letting us be able to have a freedom of religion and not get perse- persecuted for being a Christian. And, Lord, I just pray that, um, please, Lord, just um, help for your Holy Spirit fire to fill this place as we um, as we do this word and am um, please Lord just um, help for um please just, um, help for us during this time to be to um, be a light in a dark place Lord and please Lord help no distractions during this time with the news or whatever to distract us Lord from you Lord and then just um, please help during this time for people to get closer to you Lord during this time of when we're having to stay at home. And um, please, Lord, just um, help. Um, Please, Lord, just help for us to have a great time here. And thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for our sins so we can be forgiven and live eternally in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: How about a hand clap for our worship team today? Thank you guys. So if everybody, let me give you just a minute to get your communion cup ready. If you did not get one on the way in, maybe honk your horn or something, yell real loud, and we'll get you one. is celebrating a Passover dinner with his disciples and they don't know it but this is the last meaningful time they're going to be together and he said some things to them they didn't even understand here's this bread it's my body it's broken for you and God sometimes we take that for granted because we know what that means because we know the end of the story but they didn't have a clue what that meant They had no clue what does he mean by my body's broken and I gotta eat this. But we know the story. We know how brutal the beatings were he took. We know his flesh was ripped by a lead whipped, lead tipped whip. He was beaten with the inches of his life for each of us. And that's what he meant by this body is broken. So as you take this little wafer, this cracker that represents Jesus' body, do this remembering the pain that he took on for your healing. Isaiah says that he took on those stripes for our healing. He took on 39 lashes, one within death, 40 lashes would kill a person. He took 39 for our healing. And that's what this represents. So when you take this communion, receive healing from Jesus if there's sickness in your body, protection. But go ahead and take this bread in honor of Jesus' body being broken for you. my blood that will be shed for you. (laughs) And I'm sure they really didn't understand that. And he said, every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of my death. So today, as we take this juice that represents Jesus' blood shed for us, I want you to take a moment and just Let God search your heart, not you. Let God search your heart. Is there anything, God, that you want to clean up in me? Is there anything that I'm not facing that I need to face, God? Show me. This is important because Paul told us that when we take communion, we should take it in a worthy manner, that we can actually bring sickness on ourselves if we take it in an unworthy manner. So when we take this bread and we drink this juice, we wanna do it fully submitted to letting God show us where we need to work, where we need to change, what we need to repent from, where we need to forgive, who we need to forgive, if we need to forgive ourselves. So this afternoon as we drink this juice, it is representative of Jesus' body. His blood shed for you. And every time we take communion, we are declaring to Satan, you were defeated by the Lamb of God. So drink this juice now in remembrance of Jesus' blood shed for you. understand how bad it hurt for you. And I'm sorry that you had to take those beatings from me, but thank you. for everyone in this world that will simply believe in you. Thank you for the beatings you took, the immense amount of pain that you persevered through so you could get to that cross and shed your blood for me and for everyone here. So Jesus, on this day that we dedicate once a year to celebrate your resurrection, just praise Jesus that we all understand the sacrifice you made for us and we don't take it for granted and we worship you and we thank you Jesus I thank you for the opportunity to stand in a crowd today when there's utter turmoil in our world and get to worship you and praise you because you are the risen King a governor that sees this as essential, this time that we get together and we encourage each other. It's one thing to worship at home, but it's another thing to worship together, even though we can't be close together. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be here and worship you. And we pray in Jesus' holy, holy name. Amen. So, Casey... It's going to come up here in a moment <laughs> while she's making her way up here um we don't really have any church announcements for this week because once again we don't know what's going to happen over the week um and and honestly i haven't thought past today so i don't know what we're going to do next week so just stay tuned and we'll keep you guys updated um, but Casey, you want to make a couple of announcements uh, hopefully if you have children you picked up one of the little kids packets on the way in And she's got some explaining of that to do.
5: Hey guys, I miss all the kids in Children's Church, but um, hopefully you've been getting the packets that I've been making um, for this week. Um, I do have you guys some homework. Um, So the first form is Flat Jesus. Um, for the little kids, if you guys will color him and cut him out, um, we're just learning that Jesus always is always with us no matter where we go, so, or where we are, or who we're with, so, or what circumstance we're in, so, um, if you'll take a picture with flat, stand, um, flat Jesus this week and post him on our Facebook page, so we can just see where you guys are and how you're doing, um, and then the second thing there is a drive-in service bingo in your kids packet and this isn't just for kids so if you want one we have extra Um, and this is just a follow along through the service um, and it's kind of fun so if you um, get a bingo during the service just come find me after and there'll be prizes okay
2: I forgot to clean that off before I hand it to her. Well, turn us in, please. Thank you, Casey. Please give Casey a round of applause because she gives a lot of time to our children, our kids, and this has been a tough time when we're having a meet like and she doesn't get the opportunity to love on the kids, but she has been really faithful in creating to-dos for them, little games and things, and scavenger hunts. And so, Casey, we are so thankful and just appreciative of you. So I'm gonna call this Easter Saturday instead of Easter Sunday. What's arguably the greatest day in Christian history. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua. And typically on this day, the statistics show that twice as many people will go to church than they usually do. A lot of people know they're two days a year Twice as many people will go to church, and that's Christmas and Easter. So almost twice as many people than usual get to hear the message about salvation. But not this year. I don't know. Maybe they'll still hear it. Maybe they'll turn on a computer in their bedroom. Watch the church service in their PJs. Breakfast in bed. I don't know. It sounds kind of good for tomorrow. I mean, it would be better than trying to work around weather and chasing down what the governor expects of us and all the criticism from the websites and Facebook pages and all that, right? Wouldn't it be just easier to just sit at home and watch it? And I want to be careful. I'm not criticizing churches that are doing that. I'm saying, to me, it's a tragedy that twice as many people would normally hear the gospel, and it's probably not going to happen this year. I don't know though, Driving service has been pretty cool, maybe two weeks ago, but it's getting tough now, right? If you got kids, it's hard to keep up with your kids. It's dinner time on Saturday, the sun's in your face, right? It's getting a little inconvenient. But I think that's the problem we're exposing in America and maybe around the world right now, but especially in America. I think we've turned the gospel into this feel good thing. Do whatever you want to do because you got insurance, right? We got insurance. Jesus died. I believe in him. That's my insurance. I could do what I want to do. I need to make sure everybody's entertained, right? we got to make sure everybody's comfortable. Did you get your water, your frappuccino, your scone? As Tim Hawkins said, his wife wanted a cup of coffee with no cup. That's, you had to be here to get that joke. Let's find out what other churches are doing to grow attendance, right? How do we get more money to do events? How do we throw money into the community so it looks good, but maybe we're not even thinking about how little time we're spending on building relationships with that money we're throwing around. So the question I've got, is this what the gospel was ever intended to be? Have we Americanized the gospel to the point that maybe we need a little bit of a shakeup like we're in right now? a little bit of a shake-up that allows us to reset and refocus on what a relationship with Jesus truly is. So how many of you guys, I want to I show a hands, this is easier inside. but how many of you guys have ever been to a third world country on a mission trip before? So there's a handful of people. So for those of you who've been to a third world country on a mission trip, what's so special? And I know you can't answer me, but what is so special about those weeks? Is, is it what you do for that community? Because you're only there for a week, right? So you go in for a week, and the next week there'll be another set of Westerners coming in, and the next week there'll be another set of Westerners. And sure, you're helping them, but is that really what's so special about it? Or is it special because you get out of your comfort zone and you get challenged like you've never been challenged before? you experience a true black and white experience. And I'm not talking about color or race. I'm talking about when you go to that third world country, they don't have all the things stealing their attention that we have. They don't have all the money. They don't have all the sports. They don't have all that. And typically when you go to those countries, it's pretty black and white. They either believe in Jesus or they believe in another God. It depends on the territory you go to. I was raised as a, in voodoo, so that's what I believe in. I was raised as Catholic. That's what I believe in. I was raised, you know, name the God. It depends on the country, but it's a black and white experience. You're going in and you're talking to people that understand there's a God. You're trying to give them Jesus. You got to get out of your comfort zone and actually tell somebody about Jesus, actually love somebody, actually serve them. And then what do you do? You come back changed from that one week experience, right? Until you slip right back into the good old American We slip back into the good old American gospel where I show back up for church and I want to make sure they got the right flavor cream for everything and the right kind of music being be played. It's not too loud and it's comfortable. So where am I going with this? What is the gospel? John 3.16, Right? I'm going to add a verse to that, John 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But Here's the second verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Why did I throw that second verse in? Because I think everybody in the world at some point has heard John 3, 16. But the problem is we're seeing it right now. You guys saw how we were attacked on Facebook because we went out to praise Jesus in the community. And if you don't know, we made it to a satanic website. (laughs) And they still don't know that they posted something about Jesus, praise the Lord. (laughs) But the problem is when we go out and we talk about Jesus, there's this thing it's like this opposition that if you're telling me about Jesus and you're gonna insinuate if I don't know Jesus that I'm condemned and that's not what this says It that for God so loved the world he gave his only son his one and only son so whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him so that's the gospel guys God gave man a choice He didn't want us to be robots. He's given us a choice. We can do right or wrong. It's up to us. We can choose him or not. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve made poor choices. Anybody here made poor choices before? Adam and Eve made some poor choices, right? Created sin. We got separated from God. But God loves you so much. And hear this. If you don't know Jesus, he loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his only son. And all we got to do is believe to get reunited with God for eternity. That's it. That's the simple gospel. God didn't want heaven without us. He sent Jesus to die, to be raised from the grave, to be the ultimate sacrifice so we can be in heaven forever with our Father. That's love. But I'm going to assume that everyone here either knows that or believes it. So my next question is, is that enough? Is that enough for you simply to believe that God sent his son? Romans 10, 9, we've said this verse many times before. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He didn't say if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is my Savior. He said, Jesus is my Lord. So what did he mean? So you look up the Greek word for Lord there. I got two meanings. Lord means to whom a person belongs. To whom a person belongs. Peyton and Parker are my sons. They belong to me. So technically I'm their Lord, right? It's a weird term. We don't use it. I'm hearing some stuff back here. We we don't use that term. Somebody maybe around the time the Bible was translated to King James would have understood that because they lived under the covering of a Lord. They had to do what the Lord told them. They were given protection by that Lord. So I think that's something we've watered down a little bit that we don't understand. The Lord means here to whom a person belongs. It also means one who has control of a person. Man, I can believe in Jesus, but do I let him control me? One who has control of a person. So let's restate that scripture, but let's substitute the meaning of Lord. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is the person to whom I belong. Jesus is the person to whom I belong. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the one who has control over me. See, I'm a little scared because I lived in this for a long time that there's many people that believe Jesus is their savior, but man, I ain't going to be owned by nobody. Let alone let him control my every move, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. Is this an issue that we have? Is Jesus your savior? Or are you allowing Jesus to be your Lord? Am I willing to give up complete control to allow Jesus to be my Lord? Maybe a better question for a lot of us. I want you to think about a few things that led up to Jesus' death. So Jesus is, he's hanging out with his friends. Here's the thing. You think you guys have had some rough weeks lately? (laughs) This man knew he was going to die. He knew it was going to hurt. And he knew he was going to take on every one of our sins but he kind of had to still act normal, right? That's not easy. But he's hanging out with his buds. He's having his last dinner with them. He's washing their feet. They didn't even understand that. He knows he's going to die. He's human, right? So this had to hurt. This had to be scary. Later, he would ask God multiple times, not just once, but multiple times, God, if it's possible, please take this away from me. Your will be done, God. But please, Father, if there's any way I don't have to go through this, please take it away. They're having this dinner, this Passover meal, which was supposed to be a celebration every year to celebrate the entire people of God being rescued. But within hours, Jesus would be in so much anguish over what had to happen he would sweat blood. And I want you to get a visual of this. Even if you've got to close your eyes, he would sweat blood over the agony of what was going to happen. Then one of his best friends is going to betray him. You guys ever been betrayed by a friend before? Right? It hurts. But Jesus is about to be betrayed by one of his best friends, someone he trusted, someone he trusted with the money. He was about to be booed, spit on. He's about to be sent to be crucified, even though he'd done nothing wrong. The people that chose to crucify him were the very people that praised him just a few days earlier coming in on a donkey. Hosanna. This is our king. A couple days later, kill him. He gets whipped. We talked about this in communion. Thirty-nine flesh-tearing whips. Leather whip with a metal tip on it, a lead tip, that would tear through his skin. That alone almost killed him. He had a crown of thorns. Anybody ever had a thorn stuck in him? Does it feel good? One little thorn, you're crying like a baby. He had a crown of thorns, and they pressed it into his head. And then he's clinging to life, and he's got to carry a cross up a hill. He got a little help, but he had to carry it a long way. Then they drove metal spikes into his wrist between the bones and into his feet. And he hung there in agony, drowning, because he couldn't breathe for hours. And he did all that for me. He did it all for you, each of you. It's brutal, but he did it for each of you so I'm asking you a question today. If he did that for you, is he just your savior? Or are you going to let him be your Lord? I think one of our biggest problems or hindrances outside of just the culture we grow up in is that we're taught in our culture to be totally independent, right? Be independent. Don't depend on anybody. Self-help books have, have New York bestsellers for 20, 30 years. Look at religion. There's a whole new thing called new age where you take a little bit of each religion you like and pair it together to make your own religion. I'm gonna be independent. I'm not gonna trust this. I'm gonna take little pieces from all this and put it together to something that fits me. I'm not gonna rely on anybody else. The problem is it set us up for failure because in order for Jesus to be our Lord, we've got to be 100% dependent on him. We've got to believe he's our savior. We talked last week about faith. We've got to work to grow our faith and constantly be active in growing our faith. We've got to repent, we've got to change. We've got to be constantly searching for the areas that we've gotta change. We've talked about repentance every week since this has started. This is a great time to be looking at what I've gotta change. We gotta get out of our comfort zone. Maybe talk to people a little bit about this savior and this Lord. We gotta teach people how to fight fear in a time that our society is totally consumed by fear. So last week, we spent the whole week talking about faith and why you need it. But I want to add on to that a little bit. In 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, Peter says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to add to goodness knowledge and to add to knowledge self-control and to add to self-control perseverance and to add to perseverance godliness and to add to godliness mutual affection and to add to mutual affection love. See, there's a whole list of things he says you want your homework? Here it is. Keep growing. So, what I'm trying to say is allowing Jesus to be your Lord means actively seeking these things. Let these things consume your thoughts every day instead of the fears and the doubts and the worries. It'll affect how you parent, how you treat coworkers. If you're a boss how you treat your workers it'll affect the dedication to what you do if you're coaching a sports team if you're leading people in a job or a business and all of it should be driven out of the basis that Jesus is our Lord and I want to take to those things my faith and grow it to goodness and grow it to more knowledge and grow it to more self-control and grow it to more perseverance and grow it to more godliness and grow it to more affection and to more love. When we talked about faith last week, we talked about James two fourteen, and it said faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. Remember we got to do something. So I'm going to add to that this week to kind of bring that into completion. Paul also says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by your works so that no one can boast. It is by the grace of Jesus' death that we've been saved, and that's where our faith comes. But our faith requires works in order to be true faith. what's paul doing here he's making sure that we understand that our works don't create our grace right it's kind of confusing because we grow up in church and we kind of grow up in one of two things it's either my do's and don'ts and how i worship and how often and how good i am and all this how much scripture i know these do's and don'ts add up for my faith and that's called works-based faith and that's religion or we maybe see this thing on the opposite end of the spectrum that says i can do whatever i want i've got my insurance card to get into heaven And that's what I would call greasy grace. But but I think Paul's trying to get a different point across. It's nothing you can do to deserve the grace that Jesus Christ gave you. There's nothing you can do to boast that you caused your goodness allowed you to be reunited with God in heaven. Grace is what establishes your faith. But you gotta do something with that faith. You gotta do something. Yeah, believe. But if you wanna make him your Lord, you gotta start doing what he says. You gotta start letting your thoughts and your desires become around pleasing him. Not putting him on a shelf Monday through Saturday until we get back to church on Sunday. Your good works become something you do because you want to please your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not something you do to earn His love. Does that make sense? Your good works become something you want to do to please Jesus. Not to earn your way to Jesus. I want to be clear on that. I'm going to say it again. Your good works... It's something you do to please Jesus, to show him your faith, to grow your faith, not something you do to earn his love. You can't do that. God did that on the cross. So today, what I'm challenging you to do on this day that we celebrate he has risen, that we have a resurrected king, I'm challenging you to go deeper. And for each of us, that's going to mean something different. I'm challenging him. If he's not your savior, please, please make him your savior. It's not about condemnation. It's not about the alternative. It's about him loving you so much that he wants to be with you. And if he is your savior, but he's not your Lord, take that step to let him be your Lord. Let your work show your devotion and love to him. You know, sermons are great. We've heard a lot of them. If we've ever been in church, we've got a lot of knowledge. You got more knowledge right now at your fingertips on this little thing right here than most of our parents or grandparents had their entire lifetime. You can get to more data, more knowledge, more information in just a few minutes than most people could get to in a lifetime. But the knowledge means nothing if you're not challenged to do something with it. And that's my goal. I can't get up here and preach a better sermon than somebody else already has. There's tons of great pastors, but every time I get up here, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to take the knowledge that you're getting or that you have or that you've had for a long time and start acting on the knowledge. I think there's urgency on this because I think this is serious for where we live right now. I think we need to get a hold of this today. Our world is changing. Have you seen seen a change in our world in four weeks? Our world is changed right before our eyes. You can't deny it. You can't stick your head in the sand and say, man, our world's the same as it was four weeks ago. No, it's not. It's changing right before our eyes. We may never have the same normal we had four weeks ago or five weeks ago. At least not for the foreseeable future, right? Maybe forever. I don't know. Luke 21, 10 through 13, Jesus said to them, nation will rise against nation. Have we not seen that? Kingdom will rise against kingdom. Check. There will be great earthquakes, check. Famines, check. Pestilences in various places, check. Fearful events, check. Great signs from the heavens, check. But before all this, they will seize you and they will persecute you. They will hand you over to be put in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors all on the account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. See, guys, we're seeing all this. We're seeing this nation against nation. We're seeing all these pestilences, the earthquakes. Look at the viruses, whatever. But why is it important for you to make Jesus your Lord? They will seize you and persecute you. I'm not trying to make you live in fear. But if you paid attention to some of the news in the last two weeks, I'm going to give you, I think, six, seven examples Pastor in Florida, arrested for having service. Oh, but he was told by the governor not to. And scripture says that you got to obey the law of your land, right? And he was warned. Yeah, well, that same man would tell you that his constitution gives him the right that the governor can't take away. So he thought he was operating within that law, but he went to jail for the gospel. A group praying outside an abortion clinic in North Carolina two weeks ago And there's video of this. There's video of what was said. They are there to offer hope and prayer for a young lady walking into an abortion clinic that maybe she'll take that last chance to turn. There are more than 10 people inside the abortion clinic, and they didn't care. But there were four or five people gathered socially distanced apart praying, and the police arrested the leader. That's in North Carolina. That's right next door. Son and his daughter playing in the backyard in kind of a a field area, like a common area in Colorado. Son and daughter, nobody else. Dad, I'm sorry, father and daughter in Colorado. Dad's throwing softball or something with his daughter, six years old. He gets arrested right in front of her for violating what we're under right now. Here's the irony. There's only two of them out there playing softball. Now you got three policemen getting within a foot of him, handcuffing him. State of Kentucky, I saw a post on the news from, I don't know, a 70, 80 year old pastor. He said, I will have service on Easter. It's my constitutional right. I've sought the advice of two constitutional lawyers and it's my constitutional right and they said to him, would you feel bad if somebody in your congregation got COVID-19 and died? And he said no worse than Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot or Kroger would feel. I will have service on Easter. And you know what the governor responded with that? Kentucky law enforcement will monitor and issue quarantine orders to those who attend mass gathering Easter Sunday services from Governor Andy Bashir. I want to put this in perspective. He's the same governor that just released some sex offenders last week from jail. And that's okay. But he's going to arrest or quarantine, mandatory quarantine people that go to these services. Thursday night, Mississippi, Monday Thursday service. If anybody's not familiar with that, Monday Thursday is, the, is the, the, kind of like you got Good Friday, Monday Thursday is when you celebrate what, when the Passover meal would have been. Jesus and his disciples the video starts they're gonna have an outside service just like this and the video starts with the pastor walking around with a cell phone and there are like nine or ten police cars blocking the entrance so no one can get in and they tell him if he does it they're gonna arrest him and he said I used to be a drug dealer and I didn't see police show up like this and now." You got cars, you got, I mean, there's one of me, and you got like eight, nine cars. Virginia. Last week, in an auditorium that will seat 293, a pastor had a service with 16 people equally spaced apart. And he was issued a subpoena this week that says, if you do it again, you will be arrested. So, if I sat here a couple of weeks ago and said, Man, things are going to get crazy in New York, and things are going to get crazy in California, and things are going to get crazy in Colorado, you'd be like, Of course. You know, they're all a bunch of potheads. No offense if anybody's from any of those states. They're all a bunch of potheads. They're all liberals. They're all, I'm just, I'm not saying those things. I'm saying that's the things we would say. But now it's in your backyard. It's in North Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, Mississippi. It's in the Bible Belt. So, we've grown comfortable thinking that our grace and living in this Bible belt, we're safe and everything's good and we're gonna die and go to heaven and everything's gonna be glorious, but now we're faced with a real enemy and your faith is gonna absolutely matter right now. Now, God did not give you a spirit of fear, so I'm not trying to drive a new fear. His perfect love drives out fear. His perfect love drives out fear, but we've gotta wake up and realize that now more than ever, we've got to make Jesus our Lord because I can't control what the government does, but I can control that he is my Lord and I'm gonna do what he says. Here's the good thing. None of this surprises God, right? There should be a hand clap there. None of this surprises God. None of this surprises him. If we start giving into the fear of this virus and we start giving into the fear of what our government can do, and put all of our thoughts there, we are making our God very small. If we start giving into the fear of the government conspiracies and all these things that could be, yeah, they might be true, but we're making our God very small if that's where we're putting our faith. So I think this is a pretty good time for us to really focus on how we're gonna trust in Jesus and let him be our Lord. In Galatians 2.20, we said this verse last week. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Philippians 1 21, for me to live is Christ and die is what? Gain. Man, we throw those scriptures around. I've been crucified in Christ, I'm dead in Christ. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain, but I'm scared to death of a virus. So what's our real problem? I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I think our real problem is the fear of death. But here's the thing, guys. If you truly make Jesus your Lord, then all of a sudden, I don't care about death. I don't want to die, but I don't care about death. And when I quit caring about death, that's when I get to live. That's when I get to live, when I don't care if I die anymore. He died for me, and I will die for him. And that's when I get to live because this last four weeks has been some of the most joyous weeks of my life. Am I frustrated? Am I sick and tired of all this crap? Yes, but it's also been some of the most joy-filled time of our life because it's given me a chance to grow my faith. My faith has been tested. I want to say it again. I want to live. I do not want to die, but I'm not going to worry about dying because I'm going to live for Jesus. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. You get that? We thought we would die. We expected to die is what he says. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. So what I'm trying to get at this is Easter Sunday. This is resurrection. You want a good, feel-good discussion about Jesus being resurrected, right? But this is the time we got to quit relying on ourselves, and we got to put our faith in the risen King. we got to let him be our Lord. We've got to start relying on God, not myself, not what you can give me, not what my state can protect me or my government. Jesus said over and over, focus on me, not the storm you're in. Let me be your Lord. This is not about a set of rules and regulations. It's not about greasy grace. It's that we have a Lord and Savior that says, come to me with your burden and lay it down. Bring your heavy burden to me, lay it down. Lay down your heavy yoke. I'm gonna give you something easier to carry. Jesus has been my savior since I can remember. I've had this discussion with my parents. I don't even remember when I made Jesus my savior. But I'm going to tell you something. I didn't make him my Lord until about seven or eight years ago. And there is a difference. Have I been perfect? No. Most of you here know that. Have there been ups and downs? Yes. But see, I'd lived for all those years thinking it's just okay. I got the insurance of Jesus. If I do something bad, no big deal. I'll just go confess that sin and ask for forgiveness. But I didn't spend every day trying to figure out how to let him be my Lord and how to put every thought into him. So today, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Thank you. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And i'm going to ask you a question is he your savior because that's the most important one but is he your lord the last thing i'm going to say this morning because i think jesus kind of addressed americans and we didn't even realize it there's three examples of people that i can think of and i've said this before but they came to jesus one man came to jesus and said i want to follow you and jesus said are you sure you do because I don't have a place to rest my head. I'm basically homeless, traveling, wandering. And I want to translate that to America. Are you sure? Because that's going to mean you've got to get uncomfortable. It's going to mean you've got to get out of your comfort zone and things aren't going to be the same as they were. And that man walked away dejected. The second one, the guy comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, for you, you've got to give up everything you own. You've got to go sell everything you own. And the guy walked away dejected. Because money was more important to him. The third example, somebody, he comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you, but I got I to bury my parents first. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. That sounds harsh. But in that time, it was a year-long process to bury someone. So basically what he was telling Jesus is, I'll get around to it. Where are we in America? Man, I don't want to follow Jesus, but golly, I need the security of, oh, I need Security. I need to know what my normal's going to be. I can't get out of my comfort zone. Man, I want to follow Jesus, but my focus is on money. Man, I want to follow Jesus. I'll get around to it. Well, now's the time, okay? You don't need an altar to make these decisions. And I know this has been kind of hard today, but I've got this gigantic burden that God... I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you. And I want you to know how peaceful it is if you make him your Lord. I want you to know how peaceful a crazy time like this is if you can truly trust in him and surround your pe- yourself with people that trust in him instead of people that are trusting in fear and a vaccine or whatever their government can do. So whether you're sitting in your car right now or outside your car, or it's in your bedroom tonight, or or wherever. If you're watching this on a video later, and it's wherever. It doesn't take much to just submit to Jesus and say, I want you to be my Savior. I accept, I believe, and I want you to be my Lord. And that's what I'm ending with today. I'm begging you to make Him your Lord.
3: so I'm going to pray here in a little bit, but um, I kept feeling like this past week, the Lord was giving me certain words, and the Lord kept saying that Mandy had a word, and so I'd ask her this week, and she was kind of going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and then finally the Lord was like, yes, you've, you've had a word, and so Mandy's going to give another word on top of Jason's, and then I'm going to end in prayer, but I really want to bind up whatever this is that's going on that makes everybody feel so just depressed and lethargical. Oppression, depression, fear, dread, doom, gloom, whatever it is, it has to go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth because God has called us to such a time as this. And we need to be fired up as believers that this is an Elijah anointing, if you will take it and take hold of it today, that God put you on this earth for this very time. And don't go hide in a cave because god is speaking to all of his people and he is saying get out of the cave right now in jesus name and do what you were called to do you are not supposed to run and hide so i bind up that spirit of jezebel that's made people run and hide especially the preachers and the prophets, I command for them to get out of their cave right now in Jesus' name. Jesus has anointed everybody here. If you are a believer and you're able to speak, God has anointed you with certain gifts. So use them in this time for the kingdom.
6: So I'm just going to start off in prayer because I don't ever want to speak up here and it be my words. Um, So, Lord, I come to you right now, Lord, and I ask that you would take over my mouth right now, Lord. I pray that you would take over every single ounce of my being, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit fire would speak through me, God. I pray that this would be your words and not mine, God. I don't ever want to get the glory and the praise for anything that I ever do, Jesus. So I pray that you would put purity of heart over me right now, God. I pray that you would help me to speak with love, God. I have been scared to speak, God, and I've not been afraid of people. I've been scared of you, Jesus. So I pray that you would just help me to give the word, God, that you want to give right now. Not my word, Lord, but yours. So this week, the Lord um, started working on me. And for you guys that don't know, um, I do some college ministry. And I had one of my girls, um, she's just been going through a rough time. um, And I said, why don't you write down your feelings? Um, So I'm gonna read to you what she wrote down. And then I'm gonna tell you why that fired me, personally fired me up. So she said, God laid a question on my heart a few nights ago. I heard him say, if you look around everyone's houses look the best they ever have, but how do our hearts look? I want you to stop and think about that for a second. We've all been Netflixing. We've all been cleaning our houses. We've all been worried about fixing things up in this time. I'm guilty of it as well. But have you been looking inwardly? Have you been searching your heart? Have you been spending time with Jesus? Have you been praying? Have you really checked yourself? Because in a time right now, Jesus is trying to awaken his people. He's trying to awaken the church. So I pray right now and I'm gonna just tell you, I'm gonna let you read, I'm gonna read the rest of it. She said, I'm begging each of you to take advantage of having a relationship with Christ. I'm personally in a house where my parents are fearful. We don't watch church service and we don't pray together and let me mind you this girl has some really good godly parents who have raised her in church who go to church whose church currently live streams or services and this is nothing against the church doing that but i'm telling you what my personally this girl's going through she said i feel like i'm constantly saying with my arms reach this guy to make sure god sees me I don't wanna get lost in my parents' doubt and unbelief. I'm gonna be held accountable one day when I stand before God for my actions. There's a local church holding a drive-in service, she's talking about us, every Sunday, but I haven't been able to go due to my parents. I've asked them numerous times over the last few weeks and every single time they tell me no. I'm 21 years old and I feel as though I have no freedom. I shouldn't be scared to ask my own dad to go to church, but I am. I've never wanted to go to church more in my life because in the middle of all of this uncertainty, that's exactly where I want to be. God laid down his life for us, and we find it so hard to devote a small portion of our lives to him. Christians, now is our time to stand up. Do you want to know why that fired me up so badly? Because at the age of 14, I was that girl. I went away to a conference at the beach. And when I was at that conference, I had got saved. And I came home, I walked through the door, I had so much joy, I was so excited, I was so fired up. And my mom looked at me and the only words that she could say to me was, is it it a King James Version Version Bible? And she took the Bible and she threw it at my face. So for the next four years,
1: front of this many people. It's not easy for me to share. There's a lot of hurt. My own mom would let me go to church. Guys, look around. You have freedom right now. So I get fired up and I'm excited to be here. Touch me, but I do not know how much longer it's gonna last. I don't know when our freedom's gonna quit, but I think. I want to see people fired up. I want to see people on their knees praying and begging to Jesus. I want to see a touch of God. I will humbly stand and sit right here before Jesus and tell him, I want to see him. I don't care what any of y'all think about me or how crazy you may think I am. But God, Jesus Christ God, he's going to take care.